you, I'm completely comfortable with you giving me whatever pushback ever for whatever. For sure. You know, because I know how important this is to you. And I've been in your shoes to a degree. Um, so I want to make sure it's representative of your vision. But it was it's striking. It's yeah. it's striking. <laughs> and yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it when it's time. So I have like a little spiel that I kind of go through. And um, then we start and we talk to you first. And um, then we'll talk about the record. So it'll take us. We'll see. We'll see where it takes us. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we did test London's mic. Go ahead, London, one more time. Test, test, one, two, one, two, test. I'm going to turn you up a little bit. Okay. All right. Welcome. (laughs) 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 The middle Brady child is who I sounded like. (laughs) Pork chops and applesauce. That's an old people's joke. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Rob Wallace. This is the Zero Noise Podcast, where we engage in progressive discussions about music, life, and everything in between with our guests. This podcast is brought to you by Grove Studios, the 24-7 artist and production workspace. Whether rehearsing for your next show, producing a new show, doing a... That doesn't make sense. Whether rehearsing for your next show or producing a new song. I'm sorry. Produce a new song. Doing a podcast or shooting a video... Grove Studios is set up for the independent creator. Right now, Grove is offering subscriptions that can help you get your project or next creation popping off. To learn more, visit grovestudios.space. We are also sponsored by Leon Speakers, the number one brand in home audio luxury. That changes every time, too. But um, check them out at leonspeakers.com. Oh, and I have on. I got to show my shirt. Uh, Detroit Originals. We're also sponsored by Detroit Originals. Check them out at Detroit underscore Originals on Instagram for some gear. Shout out to the Brock family. Those are like some cousins of mine. This podcast is produced by Project Plugin, Crimson Media, and shared with all streaming platforms through Captivate. And today I am also joined by Maya Evans from Leon Speakers and the Amplify Fellowship. Hello, everyone. So... My life's work is to lift music and hip-hop specifically as both the historical subtext and the product of American culture, a medium of liberation, and the soundtrack for the search for Black freedom collectively and individually. The album is a source of critical discourse about life in America by those who created. I want to know about the music that changed the way our guests thought. Along the way, we will explore how music speaks to who we are and who we desire to be. Art is not valuable if it does not challenge if it does not ask, and if it does not respond. We acknowledge that music decorates time as art decorates space. I ask dope people to visit with me, talk about who they are, who they have been, and what they do. I also ask them to be ready to discuss an album that played a role in them becoming them. A little bit different today. You will not hear the music we will discuss for many reasons, but you will never hear it the same afterwards. Therefore, this is a music podcast, but it is a people's podcast, and today, the person is London Beck, and the album is The Black Satin Sessions. Welcome, London Beck. Yes, thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you here. So, 
let's give a little bit of context just for people who may be new. Um, Maya, you want to talk a little bit about about the fellowship and how London is involved in that? Absolutely. Um, So Rod and I have been working very closely together over the last year, almost. Um, So this is our pilot year of the Amplify Fellowship, which is a, a... Partnership between Grove Studios and Leon Speakers. Uh, Representatives and co-founders include me and Rod. Um, And our mission is to uplift black voices in Washtenaw County. And that is what our fellows do so well. So our fellows are London Beck here, as well as Danny Darling and Kenyatta Rashan. Excellent. Excellent. So, London, how are you doing, first of all? I am... Doing really well. What are three? What are <laughs> what are three adjectives that describe where you are in your life right now? Um, and then proceeds to write a novel. Uh, <laughs> I would definitely say revitalized. Mm. I keep coming back to revitalized. Um, we definitely kind of. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's kind of like that moment in like cartoons where like there's a character that kind of like gets all the color drained out of them and they're all gray and mm. just kind of like miserable and like mopey and morose. Mm. Um, but I feel like I've gotten a lot of that like color and vibrancy back. Mm. Um, so definitely revitalized. I will say. And this is like multiple words. Um, on the path to reclaiming peace, mm, okay. which I think is really important. Um, and I would say. So we got revitalized. Revitalized. We got reclaiming. Reclaiming peace. Right. Reclaiming my time. <laughs> right. Reclaiming your time. Reclaiming your peace. Um, and I definitely feel, which is like part of my motto, like unapologetic. Unapologetic. <laughs> nice. So this question is kind of related, but, um, you know, there may be people who are listening that um, are really encountering you for the first time. Um, who is London Beck? I would definitely say, well, I'll give you a little bit of backstory to kind of answer this question. That is exactly (laughs) why we are here for the backstory. Go for it. So when I was about 14, so that was like for me, like early high school, I was like, Making music, of course, like, music's, like, very ingrained into my DNA. Basically, like, came out of the womb, like, singing and, like, exploring Mm -hmm. with, like, musical instruments and whatnot. Um, But kind of around that first year of high school, like, when you're, like, early teens, when you're, like, super young and, like, Mm -hmm. impressionable, I was just creating music, but I was more so creating it for me. And I had a lot Mm -hmm. of friends who... We're like, wow, like this is like really good. Like you should release it. Like a lot of friends who were like in bands, like already performing, mm-hmm. you know, like that young in like local venues and whatnot. And I was like, huh. I just decided one day, I was like, why not? And I just started releasing music. And I think at that point I had gone, I think my stage name was like 
Robbie T. Grayson. So, like, at this point, like, Robbie is, like, my my government name. Right, 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 right. Robbie. Okay. Uh, I guess, like, at Was this that short point, for Robert, by the way? Yes. Okay. Or at this point, like, my dead name. Okay. So, I always hated, like, Robert. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So... Like, over the course of time, like, my stage name, like, evolved. So, like, at mm-hmm. first it was, like, Robbie T. Grayson. It was, like, Rez Roslin. For, like, a hot minute it was, like, Roz. And then I went through this, like, temporary, like, Lord IV phase where I was, like, finding, like, my, like, my identity. My identity as, a, as an artist, but it was also, like, me trying to find my identity as a person. Right. Um, and then, I don't know, just London Beck just kind of, like, came out of nowhere, like, represents so many things. Like, I always had this, like, running theme of, like, royalty. So I guess, like, that's where, like, London comes from. Because okay. when people think of London, they, like, instantly think, like, this, like, ancient, like, monarchy. Right. And then Beck is in, like, Beck is another word for, like, stream or river. So kind of, like, the thing that flows through my veins, which is the music. Yeah. And it just kind of ended up de- describing... What I was going through at the time, I think that change was made in, like, 2017. Mm. Um, and that was when I did kind of, like, that last final rebranding. And I really wanted it to, if anything else, I wanted people to to understand from interactions with me or my music that, like, above all else, like, I'm just here to be a creative. And mm. I'm here to use my talents and my craft to not only tell my story, but share it with other people because Mm -hmm. I know that I've gone through tons of experiences that I'm not alone in, that I know a whole bunch of people out in the world are struggling through or have been met with. Um, There are people who, who need to know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also want to, at the same time, make sure that I'm always being true to me. Right. Um, You know, like being, the journey of life is like so interesting and that it's complex and there are so many different like streams and and paths that you can take and, and some of them are really great. And of course, then there are moments that are really not, but there's always a lesson in that. Right. Oh, and then this is like where you get like a little sneak peek, by the way, of my like group chats with people. <laughs> my like little like group chat with like Danny and Kenyatta. And right. I'm always like having these like little like, I'm always like unapologetic, like, yeah, like fuck you, London. And then all of a sudden they'll like get like a little text message and I'll be like, I love you so much and I'm so grateful. And so. That's pretty much, I think that's probably the best way to describe me. I mean, there's that, there's that side that's kind of like the dragon, I guess. Mm. But then there's also that side that I make sure that that's grounded, Mm -hmm. that never forgets kind of like where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. because that's part of the blueprint in terms of like where I want to go right. and how I want to get there without causing unnecessary disruption. Mm-hmm. There's disruption in our lives that we have to go through 
that really kind of like forges us and like makes us who we are. But right. then there's also disruption that you can kind of avoid if you just take a moment yeah. to like think about it. You, I think that you've definitely struck me as a person who has like, I guess what you would term like a a high vibration. Like you, you have a bright, every time that we talk and we meet, you always have a very bright perspective. But there is an edge involved that especially comes out through your music. Um, and I'm really interested in how you got to that point. You talked about um, beginnings. You talked about being, um, you know, tell us a little bit about how you grew up. Um, do you know this person here? <laughs> so tell us I remember tell us a little bit about tell us a little <laughs> bit about that person and you know for sure so little london or then of course Robbie. right right um i originally was raised with my mother and then i've got two older sisters mm -hmm. my parents were both divorced right um and i remember i love that picture i do look at it from time to time right um just to kind of reminisce and remember i think there was like i was out for like picture day and we were all getting ready to like get on the bus i was in preschool getting ready to like go home and i had like a teacher like snatch me up and like little me was like oh okay and like lead me into the gym and be like you need to take your picture so I, was like, mm. I was like okay <laughs> Um, my, it has been said that my mom actually hoped that I'd be like a famous, like sports person. Okay. Um, and there is a little bit of like sports, sportiness, sporty spice. <laughs> sporty spice. <laughs> in yes. <me>. Sporty spice. <laughs> I think you have all the spice. That is fair. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, I think like. Our very first like in person meeting that was like very like posh spice because I had on that like white like that very like white kind of like dawn like head of like some sort of like corporation right. or or like LLC yeah. like jacket and then I had on that like leather or that leopard yeah. like I <laughs> like, like you never can guess like you came you came and we listened to your record here and you had on like. The pink leopard pants. Uh, yep. Well, like I forget, it was like with a like a like a t like a regular t shirt or something like that. And I was like, you just they just always find a way to spice it. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I was raised by my mother, my two sisters. Right. At five, there was one morning I was supposed to be woken up by my mom. Mm -hmm. My um, oldest sister, who's like 17 years older than me, she didn't live in the household at that point. Were both your sisters were really they're, older than you? They're, yes. So okay. like my oldest sister's like 17 mm -hmm. years older than me. My older sister's like 12 years older than okay. I am. Okay, wow. So I'm like very much a baby. Right, okay. <laughs> um, and my older sister was off at school. Oldest sister not in the household. I like woke up and I was just kind of like, where is mommy? Like, it's time to go to school. And I ended up finding her on the bathroom floor. Mm. So I was the one to, I don't know how I managed to do this at five years old, mm -hmm. but I ended up calling the ambulance and like they showed up. And long story short, mm -hmm. my mother didn't make it. Mm -hmm. 
So at that point, my dad swooped in and I came to live with him and my paternal grandparents um, who really ended up being the ones to raise me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period before my mom had passed, I started to sing. There was like this little, we used to have like a CD in the car and to this day like I can't remember enough of the song but all I remember was that it was track three and it had the word dragonfly on the cd and I would always put it in the car and I'd like skip (laughs) to track three and I just like belt belt this like song and just like I don't know I remember the only thing that I can remember the clearest is just like the way that it felt the way that it it made me feel to like be belting this song that I didn't know you know, like, was anything about, like, it could have been, like, talking about, like, explicit, like, grown-up <laughs> topics, and I was just like, la, 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 la. Right, right. <laughs> but that's, like, a feeling that I've never forgotten, and I think that that, mm. now that I think about it, it probably did play, like, a large part in why I am where I am now. Right. Um, but there was a period where I just kind of, like, withdrew, because as a child, people don't necessarily break it down in the step that not only did a child that young like lose their parent but like at five years old you are literally grasping the concept of like being alive and breathing and how to be a human like you're only like a few years out Mm -hmm. of like learning how to like literally how to walk right right (laughs) and you're like learning how to like do you know like normal things most people don't really have to think about on a, on a regular basis, like use the bathroom, brushing your teeth, things like that. So mm. it's kind of like I'm learning how to be a human and I lose kind of like the main person. The center. To like help ground, teach me yeah. that, the grounding point, yeah. Right. So I did withdraw into myself, but I started to open up a little more through the singing. Mm. And... From then, that kind of, like, became my safe place to where I would kind of go and just kind of, like, retreat if I needed my own kind of, like, space. Um, So music gave you, like, solace to... Yes. Okay. Definitely. Mm. And that's been, like, super helpful. I don't come from a family that's, like particularly close Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of cycles that I feel could stand some breaking okay (laughs) um and so there's been like a lot of dissonance like music has definitely been kind of like the thing to help me work through that Mm -hmm. because it's like people think when you think about your family like those uh, the way that we are generally like taught and told like that is like your grounding point. Like those are the people that, you know, like you really want there for you when the whole world is not. Absolutely. So they are your world. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's an interesting experience, like feeling that you don't really have that and then having to go out into the world and make that. So a lot of my childhood and like teen years and like up until maybe like a couple of years ago, we're really kind of like finding, you'll often hear me talk about like my tribe or like my chosen family. Right. It's really the journey of like 
figuring out like what that is and like what that looks like. Um, and so really like through, especially throughout my teen years, like I really invested in, you know, like not only finding like friends, but like finding like a chosen family, like a circle of people who really could give me what I wasn't able to get through kind of like, I guess, conventional means. Um, and even then, like it didn't really click. I used to work at a restaurant Mm -hmm. as a bartender. And then eventually I was like, dual like bartender and manager and it really didn't click it was like it's a very that restaurant was a very like special place like it there are like these little pockets in the world where like Mm -hmm. people would like congregate and like everybody would get along and like if we weren't in that space like we would just pass each other on the street and like not interact at all Mm. um but it was really through that experience where i really learned kind of like the value of chosen family and what that means and like being able to swallow like I may not be able to have this in the way that I need to be fulfilled but I can still get what I need through this other kind of like vehicle like there's basically there will always be people to support you it's just that in my particular situation I just have to do a little work and I have to go out and find that. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. I Mm -hmm. think people kind of like freak out and they're like, you know, I mean, it's on it. I mean, it's understandable, but sometimes, sometimes like the greatest gifts come in the way that we don't really expect them to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of gifts, um, one thing that, Maya and I speak about a lot is what the value, the multiple values that you bring to the table. And we could talk about the musical stuff, but a lot of what you have encountered allows you to step into a group and become like a glue to groups. And it's interesting that you bring that up as I go back through all of the conversations and discussions that we've had in the last what has it been, like nine months now, almost? Yeah, yeah, nine months. Um, And how you've always been, whatever it takes, I'll do it, whatever. It's this, what, whatever. And that's really, that that what you just said really gives a lot of insight into why that is. And to be, you know, to feel as though we are a little bit of that tribe for you in a way, or maybe a segment of it is really something that's extremely valuable to me. I'll say that. Um, I'm really curious about, uh, it's one thing to sing in the car. (laughs) It's one thing to, you know, be able to connect with the notes and things of that nature. It's another thing to make those 12 notes kind of jump off the paper and become something that you kind of can manipulate. What instruments do you play? A lot. Um, <laughs> let let's just see. make let's just make the list real quick. So of what course I sing. I'm classically trained in viola. Which is an to... instrument to itself. Viola, I'm sorry. Yep, no worries. Viola. Um, and then I can do I'm like not professional level yet, mm-hmm. but I can do acoustic slash electric guitar. I can play bass. I can do violin. I can do a little bit of cello. 
And the I'm sure that the list will continue to grow as I continue. Yep. <laughs> right. As I continue to age. And 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 you know the technology. Yes. Which we'll talk about as well. Which, yeah, we'll talk about that as well. So you've encountered, and you've already kind of answered this question, but you've encountered a very traumatic event. And you're in a situation that is extremely fragmented. You've already pointed towards music as being a place of peace, a place of solace. How did, and and I guess this is more of a, a systemic question for you, like what did you get involved in and who were your early influences to change it from this is something that I like to do to something that this is something that I can do? For sure. I, I mean, I have always been involved in everything under the sun, anything okay. I can get my hands and on. And who do you give credit for that? Was that your grandparents that, that did that? I would definitely say my grandparents because once they, once they saw me come out of my shell and like start to be musical around yeah. the house, they uh-huh. were like, huh? And then it just like didn't stop. We used to have like an old like keep I forget like what model it is it like it's kind of like it's one of those probably not old to me that's what <laughs> that's what makes me upset like what <laughs> you know what I'm saying for sure I will put it this way it was definitely vintage enough okay for okay. it to be playing Beethoven's Ninth Symphony and it sound like video game music oh it had like but a I, preset thing yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 okay cool but I absolutely loved it. And, like, I would sneak downstairs and, like, just start playing it. And they would, like, notice that I kept, like, coming back to this. They were like, huh. And it didn't really start to, I mean, of course, like, in elementary school, you're in, like, the little, like, rinky-dink choir, like, singing, mm-hmm. like, hot cross buns. Right, right, right. You know, Mary had a little lamb. Um, and then fifth grade, that was, I grew up in Ann Arbor Public School System. Okay. That's when here they kind of like throw you into the pond a little bit and they have you choose like three different instruments that you want to play. And then there's like a day there where like half of it is dedicated to like experimenting with those instruments. So they kind of like test you on your first choice and then they might test you on your second choice. I was like this close to being a clarinetist. Um, <laughs> Um, and of course I got my first choice, which was the viola. Of course, I always wanted to be different. That mm-hmm. probably was also me since leaving the womb. I was like, I want to play violin. I was like, everybody plays violin. I want to stand out. I want people to see me. Right. <laughs> so I chose viola and in orchestra class, um, I was just like rearing to go. I like wanted to play the instrument. Like the first couple of weeks, they tell you like not really to touch it. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. And I went home and like opened it and was like experimenting mm-hmm. and like already trying to figure out how to make music. And after class was over, while everyone was packing up, I was like, I would be like playing like Amazing Grace. And like my teacher, um, who taught me through middle school and was actually the cellist for one of the songs that you songs. all right. on the other end right. will get to hear eventually. Right. Um, she like saw me and she was like, you're going to do a solo for the concert that's coming up. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, I wanted you to hear me, but I didn't want you to hear me that well. But I was like, okay. So I did the solo. Mm-hmm. And of course, like my grandparents were there. So like, at that point that it became like really real to them. Like this is 
something like this is this is an avenue for pathway. This kid, yeah. this is a pathway, and you know, like at that point, they probably would say it might even be a passion. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the, I guess, like the diving board, mm-hmm. so to speak, for the rest. And then, of course, in middle school, like continue with orchestra at the end of eighth grade, like everyone has their like, um, like typical, like DC trip. I did a little karaoke. So like by the end of that year, I did choir and orchestra. So like at the end of our showcase, I was like playing, you know, like Brandenburg. And then I'd had to like run backstage and then like run back on. And Mm -hmm. I had a solo that night as well. So like, it's just kind of like experiences like that Mm -hmm. all throughout high school. I did a talent show freshman year. Anytime there was an assembly, they'd be like, do you want to sing? I'd be like, "Uh uh-huh. (laughs) All throughout being a part of like, I did like symphony orchestra. I was always like first stand or first chair. Mm-hmm. I was in like the music honor society. I did musical theater, like all of these other things. We tried to do kind of like a chamber group club a couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of progressed our very last concert, my last orchestra concert of high school. My orchestra director, who played viola on, you know, on, on the Black Satin yeah, Sessions, yeah, right. on Black Satin Sessions, she allowed me the opportunity to be the first student ever to conduct the orchestra. Wow! So wow! <laughs> wow! So that was, of course, like a mind blowing right. like experience. Of course, like high school again, you're still in those like formidable years and you're very like impressionable. Mm -hmm. But like also that's when the orchestra world kind of like becomes like cutthroat where like kids are literally like, they're already at like 13, 14. Like I want to sabotage you because my parents say that I can be first chair and I want to be first chair and you're first chair. And I don't think you deserve first chair. So. (laughs) And there's so much politics. Oh, it's like, it's insane. uh, Right. I I tell (laughs) you. Pause for one second. Yes. That camera is going to stop after like 29 minutes. You just got to start it recording. Right yep. It's about to like stop and then start back. Uh, sweet. That's like, so, we, you know, action. That's uh, how we know where the cut is. Right yep. And just restart. Yep. It'll sound like that. Good. Yeah. All right. So, um, as a quick aside. Please. Rod, did you play any instruments in school? I did. I played the drums. I, I played the drums through middle school. When I got in high school, I stopped playing the drums. But by that time, I also had a... Um, I had a, a... This was before both of your time. I had a, a, a old Casio keyboard yeah. that had like three seconds of sample time. And um, I learned... I never really learned how to play the piano formally. Yeah. Um, I knew how to play what I wanted to hear. And... I had that the entire time. I also had like a dual cassette deck where we would like record ourselves rhyming on people's music and stuff like that. Um, But no, I didn't play formally in high school, but all through upper L and middle school, I definitely did. And it it definitely took, um, I remember my dad bought me a drum. He bought me a snare and, um, you know, I would practice on it and this, that, and the third. It didn't take very long for them to get tired of it, (laughs) you know? So, Yeah. So, yep, it, it probably is still, nope, it's not in my parents' basement anymore, but thanks for asking. Yeah. Did you? Uh, yes. So I played trumpet 
and okay. trom- no, not trombone. My sister played trombone. I played trumpet and French horn very mm-hmm. briefly, but then I switched to choir. Okay. And then I was in choir for like six years. Mm-hmm. And what London sort of touched on and, and, and what I want to say is that like these music programs in these schools are yes. like so critical for a lot of people's development. And not just musically, but mm-hmm. in becoming themselves, feeling a sense of belonging, mm-hmm. doing like doing true collaboration. Like we all know those stupid PowerPoint group projects that like it only divides you more than yeah, absolutely actually coming together. Whereas as music, it's it's way more of a coming together mm-hmm. activity for than- sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I, I I see it as um, it's just another opportunity to develop discipline as well, like self-discipline. Um, you know, the process, the iterative process where you have to practice and you have to make mistakes in order to get better. And you learn incrementally and you may learn one more thing, one new thing, and you learn something in the process of learning that. I think that's an important skill for kids. Definitely. Um, I'm, I'm also curious about, you're, you're going through this process too, you, did you go to Ann Arbor schools too? No, I oh. went to Chelsea. Oh, okay. Um, and there are a lot of resources in Ann Arbor, um, you know, to provide this type of programming that you're talking about. Um, what I'm curious about whether or not the additional, how did it feel to go through that? I'm trying to figure out how to word this best, but you are a black man going through these things. Yeah. And there weren't very, I, I'm curious about, you know, did you see a lot of young black men playing strings? Did you, you know, or or inquire and kind of what that experience was like? Um, I would definitely say that there were there were a few. Okay. There weren't a lot, of course. Okay. Um, but there were there were definitely a few. I would say there were more than I would expect. In middle school, kind of like not so much. Once I got to high school, it was a little more tiny bit (laughs) more diverse um and looking back on it i think especially as i began to like become older and Mm -hmm. kind of like enter the like 17 like 18 years of age i really saw it as an opportunity to kind of like show that there are different sides to being black than absolutely like societal stereotypes and, and preconceived notions like being black is as diverse as being anything else you can literally you're not you know a lot of people might have the i'm gonna say some people might have the idea that like Black people are, like, not creative or, like, that they come from, like, one area. Or their musical taste only leans in one direction. Or it only leans in one direction. Yeah, right. it's like, but it's like, there are, I'm not, like, I'm not an alien. There are plenty of of people who look like me who have diverse tastes. Absolutely. Who have diverse skill sets who, you know, are, like, going above and beyond. It's just that we are not always afforded that opportunity to shine. So I think part of it too, um, and especially toward the latter end, I forced myself to 
take, they have um, an African-American humanities at, uh, course at the high school that I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I took my senior year. And that really, that kind of really helped me see and understand the much larger picture of me always being at the forefront of things where there are a lot of kids in the school Mm -hmm. and I'm the one that they're focusing on. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you comfortable in that space? So I would, I mean, definitely now, yes. Okay. Um, Not just being black, but also being like a queer individual. Okay. There's not a lot of... People think that there's not a lot of opportunities for people who fit into those groups mm-hmm. or or even in pockets where they intersect, where there are spaces for them to shine. Mm-hmm. Um, and my motto, especially nowadays, is there's always a space for you to shine. You just have to learn how to, you just have to create it. Right. But not a lot of people have the courage to do that. Um, and so, especially those later years up until present, I really, that's kind of when it all clicked mm-hmm. when I realized like everything that I had been going through and everything that I was feeling could be used to inspire and encourage someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it only kind of helped to further that idea because People, you know, like I have, like even my friends, like they will, they'll just kind of like stop mid conversation and be like, how are you like still alive? Like, how are you here? How do you like, it's just incredible. Like how you keep, you know, kind of like coming back, like bigger and better and stronger. And it's like, I'm just, the only thing that I can really tell people is I'm creating and I'm investing in the space that I know is for me. And I know it's for me because I am making it and I'm not allowing anybody else's input to ruin that. Absolutely. In that same vein, do you want to talk about your relationship with the neutral zone? Yes. (laughs) So the neutral zone for those of you who don't know, local organization here in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. they do quite a few things for the local youth, but uh, one of the primary initiatives is that they create kind of creative safe spaces for local youth. So it's a space where after school hours, like you can just go and kind of like gain a sense of community and even just like work on homework, or, but you can also like take different like workshops and um They've got like writing workshops, like story writing workshops. You can take like songwriting workshops. You can learn how to produce music, filmmaking. They have their own um, youth-led like record label. And that was an organization that I encountered sporadically through kind of my grade school days. Mm -hmm. We would have field trips, um, a few like throughout middle school and then maybe like a couple early high school. And it was kind of through those initiatives that I I began to be interested in what they were doing. Um, In 2015, they used to have like a programming like live on Washington. I, they gave me like the honor of like opening, um, being the opening act for, I think the black opera. Okay. At the time. Shout out to the black opera. Yes. Buff one, majestic (laughs) legend. We just had them on a couple weeks ago. Well, we had buff one on a couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So that was like, 
incredible. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm opening. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I'm opening. I'm opening. I've never done this before. And I was like, oh right. <laughs> right. Um, so it was, it was due, it was through different experiences like that. And then of course, again, I have tons of friends, people in the community that I know who are like heavily engaged in the youth programs. So when I received the opportunity to be one of the fellows of the Amplify Fellowship and we talked about the community, the community engagement, I just thought it was very fitting given my background and, and what I want to convey to other people, but also kind of the initiatives that I might want to start later on down the line when I'm a little more established and, and we're a little more stable. Um, I just thought it was really fitting to see if we could establish a partnership with the neutral zone. Yeah. Um, and so we've been kind of, they've been recruiting me for like different workshops um, we had one on May 28th, yep. um, which went really well. Um, it was really great. I got to teach, uh, music composition. Haven't done that in a while. I usually do at the Ann Arbor public schools, usually rents out interlocking music camp and Academy for a week during the summer. Um, and I'm usually the viola sectional coach, uh, for Skyline. Um, and also I teach the composition enrichment class. Mm. So after not doing that because of the Rona for <laughs> the past couple of years, I'm like the pan pizza. I'm like deprived of like teaching. And I'm just like, I just want to teach the young people how to make music. Right. <laughs> so like that was amazing. There are going to be plenty more to come. Um, but they're for now we're kind of like easing into like the musical aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, thankfully they love me enough to kind of like keep me around at least for the rest of the summer. So I'm super excited to see what else I can get into. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, you develop multiple disciplines when it came to music. Um, we talked about the different instruments that you play, that you played. Um, and I think we've touched on this a little bit, but what about, I mean, just in terms of advocacy for music education, I think that's a point that we need to make extremely clear. Thanks, Maya, for bringing that up. But um, what other, like, what has been the long-term effect of the amount of time and dedication that you've put into learning formally, um, learning music formally? For sure. Um, i definitely say that it has given me. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to that's that's actually that's actually a perfect segue because I really want to talk to you about. What happened when you apply? Yes. OK, so Maya and I had a spreadsheet of all of the respondents and I'll, I guess I can talk about my experience first. What we did was just being transparent. We obviously went through and we looked at the responses to the questions that we asked. So we, just so everybody knows, the Amplify Fellowship, there's an application process where not only does it collect information about your, you know, your, your regular information, but um, we also want to understand your connection to the community piece. Yours was very authentic. And very, you know, it was well done. So then we started to look through your music and your social media. 
and we did it separately. Um, and we kind of came back together and said, okay, like who are the top? And your music was, it, it didn't match. It, it, I, this is what I can remember. It didn't match because the music, the visuals, the quality of the music didn't match how, it didn't match your reach. You know what I'm saying? For it sure. didn't match. How could I say this? I hate using like social media followers as currency, but it didn't. You 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 know your website was there. Your music was very professionally recorded and mixed and mastered and everything. And but you still kind of were a little bit of a, a secret, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. So when yeah. we came back together and we started going through names of finalists and people we want to interview. I don't even think we had a lot of discussion about whether or not you would be involved. It was like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. What are we thinking about? What are we talking about? Um, do you remember that experience, too? Like, when you first ran across London's music? I, I, I do. Yeah. And and just the content of your music, too. Like, we were really looking for people who were writing about interesting things. Like, mm-hmm. and that, that had a voice and had something to say. And that... I think is what really stuck out to me about you is that you had a, a very, very loud and clear voice mm-hmm. and that the reach wasn't quite what we thought it was. Right. And, and so that's kind of what the Amplify Fellowship is about is providing that reach, you leveraging the resources that we have to, to sort of get lesser known people out there. And yeah, you just seemed like the perfect candidate from the start. You you seemed like the person that needed to be amplified, <laughs> like proof positive of that. And then we went through the interview and you began to talk about how you control the entire process. How have you... It is about control, especially it's one thing to have the control of being able to tell somebody you want to take multiple takes of a, of a singing part if you're just a vocalist or you go back and you, you know, you play a part 55 times, but you control the entirety of the process and spoken from a person who's recorded and stuff like that, engineered a little bit, and it becomes an obsession. Are you obsessed? When, especially when it gets to that, that point, the mixing and the mastering, like, walk us through what you go through mentally about that. For sure. So, especially before the Black Satin Sessions, okay. like, everything I'm self-recording, producing, engineering, like, the whole bit. One thing that I consistently focus on is when I record to the best of my ability... I try to pretend as if somebody else was recording because I'm basically, for me, it's like training. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm training for those moments when I am working with a producer because if somebody other than me is helping me create my vision, I need to be able to understand how to articulate that the way that they need so that they can make the changes that I'm looking to see and bringing the vision to life. So as much as I can, I think this process, I tried to have it mapped out a bit organically. 
Um, because like, I believe I've released with the exception of Angel. Well, no, even aside from Angel, maybe like two projects a year. Mm-hmm. Angel and Drift, Drift, or not Drift, Blinded by Hunger was 2018, early 2018. Totally produced by you. Then I, yeah. Totally mixed by you, totally mastered by oh, you. Oh, yeah. Totally then, recorded, played, everything played, everything. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I, I need people to hear that. <laughs> and then there was the Revelations EP. Mm-hmm. That was 2018. Then there was Drift. EP 2019. Right. Again, all of that, all created by me. All of it. Except the cover art. I had, I have like connections with very close friends mm-hmm. and, and another facet is like in areas where like, I know I definitely can't. <laughs> I like to check in with the people around me first because even though the, even though it's my art and I want to focus on my promotion first, mm-hmm. If I can bring someone that also has talent and someone that I know and I trust, but also is like trying to move themselves forward, like I want to team up with you and I want to give you that opportunity. So, but like aside from that, like everything, all me, Drift 2019, Angel was supposed to come out in 2019, but I had too much shit I wanted to put on it and I needed to make some decisions. Right. So that ended up coming out early 2020. 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and up until the Black Satin Sessions, like I tried to be like, I'll write this much in this amount of time. I'll produce this much in this amount of time. And of course, like for me, I'll do that. And I know like good and well that it doesn't really, for me, like it does not happen in that order. Sometimes I will come up with the songwriting first or part of it first. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll come up with the production side first. Um, And then we just kind of like meet the other end and make it happen. It just kind of grows. Yeah. Are you comfortable being as, are you comfortable being as, I don't want to say rigid, but are you comfortable doing going through the same process with other people at this point oh yeah that was and i know even with the black satin sessions i still was kind of like in that safety bubble of like control right um but at the same time like as much as i could see to allow to kind of like get some of the other things that i wanted to dip in the pond and try right like from here on out like i do want to like work with other other artists and other artists and And, just kind of include them in the process yeah and we're talking about i'm talking about specifically producing and working with other artists because the reason when we were having early discussions about you we talked about what can we do to take some of the stress or some of the some of the workload away from London so London can focus on one thing or focus on songwriting for this song or focus on producing or paying or playing for this one song. But then we kind of start thinking about it and was like, wait a minute. With London being able to do everything, obviously you would need to be able to pick what you wanted to do and what you didn't want to do. But the fact that you're able to do everything and you're able to prove that you're able to do everything in this platform gives you so much flexibility in terms of what you can do that maybe we can give you the opportunity to do all those different things 
And then people can pick and choose how they want to use you. If you want to, you know, people can come to you as a session musician. They can come to you as an instructor. They can come to you as a mix engineer. They can come to you as a recording engineer. Plus you make your own music. Plus you have a, a, a different image, you know? So that's when we start throwing around that term, that auteur term, because there's so many different things that you can do. Why not try to put you in a position to continue to develop all of them as long as you're comfortable? But it was, I think, one of the my favorite moments during the fellowship was seeing you uh, conducting and working with the quintet, um, the pictures that came out of it, um, and then for you to share with me that you had teachers that were a part of it, it just seemed like everything came full circle. Yes. Um, And that was probably like the most important, that was the most important part of this experience. Mm. Um, I know I have said this like a million and 10 times in Mm. in other like interviews, articles, media, mediums, platforms. Before this opportunity, I was, well, let's go back. Before COVID, I kind of felt like I was getting ready to just, like jump in the air and like grow wings and fly. Mm-hmm. Um, I had released Angel, which was really like my like big push. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, as I learn and keep working and growing, like my music continues to evolve. Mm-hmm. But like that was even when I started to like step back and just as a listener, I was like, wow, I was like, this does not at all sound like, I was like, this sounds much different and much more polished yes. than the last three projects. Yes, that's a good word, polish. And yeah. I was going to, I think like in 2019, I released like a lookbook and like I was going to turn that into a whole brand and mm-hmm. I was going to launch a music festival and I already had like six different acts that were going to perform mm-hmm. and like we were just going to like have like a rocking time at the Blind Pig and then all of a sudden it was like... Splat. It was like, goodbye. (laughs) It was like, everything's closed. Everything's shut down. And I was like, oh. And then there were a bunch of personal things that I had to like work through. And like all of that together was just kind of like, wow, like I really feel like I missed the mark. Mm -hmm. And I was like, not. And by the time like the end of that year rolled around, I was like, I just kind of felt like, at this point, like, what do I have left to give, I guess? And then a friend just happened to send me the Amplify Fellowship link. And she was like, you're going to do something with this. You need to apply. And I was like, okay. And so I, like, filled it out. And I was like, I guess at this point, like, what do I have left to lose? And then, you know, like, a week, a couple of weeks rolled around. And then it was like, you're a finalist. And I was like, oh. I was like, Okay. And that kind of gave me a little boost. And then I was like looking and like, of course, by that time, I had already like heard of like Danny Darling, like legend. And then you've got Kenyatta, which we've been fittingly calling her, you know, like innovate because she's she's just on the mark every time. Absolutely. And no beads of sweat. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, okay. I got a little nervous and I was like, I was like, do I belong here? And then we had our interview and I just took a deep breath. I remember the night before, um, there was a point before COVID, I was like going to move to California. Um, and there was a friend that I had met at NYU during my time in college there and Mm -hmm. we were going to move in together. And I was like video messaging her and I was like, I need you to help me test the sound. And like, I want this like be perfect and blah, 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 blah. 
And then before we had our interview, I just took a deep breath and I was like, and I was like, just be you. And I was like, that's the easiest thing that you can do, right? And then a couple of days later, I was like, you got it. And I was like bouncing off the walls and I was like, scream. Yeah. <laughs> so from that point on, I know that's like to make a long story longer. Mm-hmm. I really wanted the process to, since it was kind of like a, a one of a kind opportunity for me. I really wanted to use this opportunity to not only do things that a lot of people don't really get to see me doing, Mm -hmm. but I also wanted to bring it full circle because there are a lot of people who have helped me to get to this point. Great. Fantastic. Fantastic. So you kicked off June with the kickback and June is pride month. Um, And I I really would like, before we talk about the album, I really would like to talk about how you saw it, you saw it, your truth through the creation of this project. Can you talk a little bit about that um, in lieu of the time that, that we're in right now? Of course. Um, I think it's safe to say that there, I mean, of course, everyone has their own individual stories to tell, mm-hmm. but I think that with the world right now, there's definitely a lot of overlap. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it has really hit us probably like nothing most of us have ever experienced Mm -hmm. ever before. Um, And one thing that I constantly think of Nina Simone, who is one of my many idols Um, music loves she said that music an artist's duty is to reflect the times part of music is music in a sense or in one of many ways is a zeitgeist of what we are going through right now right um in this particular time was a new time for me um it was a time for me to usually I'm doing like a million and 50, 11 different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were times throughout this year and a half, two years where I had to stop. I had to stop and I had to really think about feeling what I needed to feel. I had to think about what I was actually going through. I had to think about going back to the feelings part processing Mm. those emotions because it's really easy to at the service level it's really easy to say that you can get mad or be sad or or be depressed or Mm -hmm. or you know be happy or or what have you but the capacity to feel is like much more complex than that the way that we feel plays such an integral part of our lives that mm-hmm. it literally affects our health. It does. Like when I get angry, like my, like the temperature of my body literally will elevate and mm-hmm. I start to get hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like if I'm really sad, like I don't have, I don't have like any energy to really do the things that I need or want to get done. Um, and so I really wanted to, On top of that, there's a part of me that, I guess, presents to the world as, like, invulnerable. And I really wanted to use... You want to be considered invulnerable. Yes. Wow. 
Okay. But just because of at this point in my life, I guess going back to what you said earlier about like seeing me as the glue, like I recognize that I don't know how or why, (laughs) but like I just have this ability to just like bring people together. But I also know that through the relationships that I've invested in my life, like as much as I'm learning from other people, Mm -hmm. people are learning from me as well. Absolutely. And I wanted to show people that, you know, like you'll ask me like how I'm like not falling apart. And the truth <laughs> is, is like I'm fa- like I'm constantly falling apart. Like right. do you not see the trail of like pieces on the ground and like I'm carrying this basket and I'm like trying to collect all the pieces and I have like my duct tape bracelet on this arm I'm like and then you know like I'll go around the corner where you can't see me and then just like wrap it up right it's it's like to a point where falling apart kind of becomes a part of who you are yeah and you know it's like the, the the Tasmanian devil when he's spinning and we're watching we're seeing all kinds of stuff flying or whatever but that's a natural state yeah I feel like we've all felt like that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And be able to use that and and learn from that. That is that is like an incredible tool in an artist's toolkit. It is. Of course. It is. So so let's talk about the album. The album comes out on June 11th, 2021. Yes. It's called the Black Satin Sessions, and look how dope that is. <laughs> um, I can't wait for everybody to hear this 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 album because, for me, and we were talking about this before you came in. As much as it is an accomplishment in songwriting and production and things of that nature. It's also for me an accomplishment in engineering. And what I was sharing with Maya is so there's 13 songs on this album. And every song is it's almost like every song is a different flavor. Like you buy a cheesecake, you know, there's there's like cheesecake uh, you know, where you can buy and it has like the New York cheesecake, it has like the raspberry swirl, it has like the the one with the caramel on it, and it's everything is perfectly engineered in the way that that type of music should be engineered. Um, There's Bjork influences. There's Beyonce influences. There are songs that can be on urban radio. There's ballads. And even the way in which it's sequenced is very smart because music is about tension and release. And we talked about this when we listened to it in the room, too, how you have certain things juxtaposed with each other. Um, And we talked about, like, where is London's home base? Like, where is your, where do you feel musically that you are really in your zone? Or is your zone everything? Does that make sense? For sure. I would definitely say the latter. I don't really feel comfortable in like one area or the other. I think, um, and I really, I really wanted to show that in this particular project. There are so many things that 
influence me. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I have to have like music like bumping and playing like all of the time. If you were to look at my playlist that I listen to every day in the car, you're mm-hmm. gonna see like Kruangbin, you're gonna see Kehlani, you're yeah. gonna see Beyonce, you're gonna see her, you might see Bjork, you might, yeah, <laughs> you might see ACDC or Alice Cooper or the Black Keys or Brittany Howard. Like, there are just so many different soundscapes that reflect all of the ideas that and all of the visions that that I constantly see and and am inspired by um and I I'm glad that you said that because one thing that makes this like project really special this project is probably the first set of music that like I have cried to I actually cried to my own album the other day and it didn't okay. really hit me until I got to the last track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, wow. You definitely have a relationship <laughs> with that song. Yes. It's very obvious. I, I think that the song represents you in a way that is very unique. Like, because there are there are so many different spaces that you can go through. I mean, even in terms of the way that you dress, like you may have on like a a plaid lumberjack shirt with some knee-high boots. You know what I'm saying? You, you. It's very random, but at the same time, it's extremely calculated. And what, again, in terms of... I look at it as, as great as the songwriting is and the production is, I look at the manner in which it's engineered. Like, we're going to talk about kind of go through the songs in a way, but you change how you engineer every song. As well, you can't engineer Eclipse the same way you engineer Territory or Black Satin. And that, for me, is something that I can appreciate from a technical perspective because it takes a lot of trial and error to get to that point. How I'm curious about your process in terms of, like, are you printing mixes and then listening to them elsewhere and then going back and 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 because I know that's what I do. I'll print a mix. I'll listen to it in the bathroom. I'll listen to it in the car. I'll listen to it using this player on my phone. Is that part of your process as well? Because it's, it's amazing. Oh, definitely. Um, I will say, especially um, this time around. So for me, like music production, of course, like wasn't like it wasn't as much of I guess like an inherent talent as like the singing or like um, I'm not even gonna say playing viola because like even that took you know time, time yeah. of, of progression and building up skill right um, I do thank YouTube <laughs> yeah YouTube um, shout out to Sean Sean Devine yes. shout out to help me what is it help me Devin, help me, Devin. shout out to musician on a mission shout out to all of them the the dude with the have you seen the dude with the puppet yep yes absolutely <laughs> shout out to all of you people we are watching yes I'm sorry. and I've learned like through a lot of trial and error through like YouTube but like I also read a lot of like articles and I look for like when I'm trying to like EQ like different um, you know, like sounds and samples and tracks and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. I am looking for diagrams and like I'm looking to see like where exactly 
you know, like, let's say like a hi-hat is placed, you know, for this type of music and like, why do we place it there? And just like different things like that. I will, I can definitely say I don't really engineer, I don't think I've ever engineered each like project the same. Right. Ever. Right. I like to come with, I like to come at it with fresh eyes. Of course, there are some things that I remember, but like, I don't try to necessarily remember all of the things that I do with the previous project because I want to look at it with a fresh lens. I think that there's always something when we get kind of set into what we know, sometimes it's a bit easier to catch the things that we don't. Yeah. So I will never engineer anything the same. Right. Um, but then at the same time, it goes back to like all of the influences that I listen to like mm-hmm. when I am listening to a song of course like at face value I'm listening to it kind of like an overall music production and how that's marrying with the lyrics mm-hmm. but then I will sit with a song and the next few times I listen to it I'm paying attention to the lyrics of the song I'll look up lyrics and I will dissect like everything that they're writing and mm-hmm. like why did you put this that way um, so you and- have the same perspective towards songwriting that you have with the 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 infinite editing we have mentality we have with music production. Oh yeah. Amazing. With okay. This, with this project I mixed it. I mixed and mastered this like with my like studio headphones. I listened to it through monitors here at Grove Studios. Mm-hmm. I actually did like the final mastering in my car. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like all of these different mediums, because I know that that also affects how people are listen, listening to it. Absolutely. Like, I want it to sound as great as it can in the car. I also want it to sound as great as it can through headphones. Right. Because I know that that's how people are usually going to be listening to it. Right. I also want to hear how it's going to sound coming through my laptop speakers, because I know some people are going to be listening to it that way as well. Right. And I want to figure out how we can come to a common ground so that it sounds great everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely. I do. If if you would indulge me, can I get like a couple minutes to kind of um, just kind of quick shot him on them on some questions yeah. about engineering? OK, what's on your master bus typically? Oh. <laughs> and you can just give me the short answer. Just what's on your master bus typically? Like, what do you have to have on your master bus? Oof. Um. Honestly, I can't. You don't know? I can't say. Well, I can't say because it... It It changes every time. It changes every time. Do you print mixes with a limiter before you master them? No, because I want to see how it's going to perform in its natural state before I'm trying to, like, cut out clipping or, like, prevent, you know, like, different, like, weird volume spikes. Do you you EQ in mono? Um, yes. Mm, what's the first thing that you mix typically? Uh, and I know that you're going to say it depends, <laughs> but what typically, in a typical situation, what do you mix first? So I'll put it this way. If I'm having, if I have all the building blocks, productions done, vocal recordings done, mm-hmm. I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to mix like all of the like instrumental first because I need to have, for me, I need to have the foundation set first. Right. Um, I know like on Black Satin, for example, right. there's like a lot of like drums and like guitars and whatnot. I need to make sure that my guitar solos are sitting the way that I want them to sit. Mm-hmm. And if I want them to be EQ differently, I know like I, on that particular track, I have 
Um, and I love that I did this. Some of the solos, if you pay attention, are EQ'd in the right ear. Then it goes to the left. They are. And and then some of them are very stereo. And then others are some of the riffs that I play are EQ'd in mono. Right. Just so that we have a little bit of that consistency stereo to kind of amplify it. Um, I want to make sure that all of that is sitting in the environment the way that I'm hearing it mm-hmm. in my head before I throw vocals in. Absolutely. Because if the if the foundation's not there, then it's going to make it a lot harder for me to kind of like figure out how to, where the vocals are going to sit mm-hmm. and how to get them to sit where they need to sit. And how do you get vocals to sit Oof. the way that you get them to sit? This is like, this is where I like credit, like help me, Devin. And yes. honestly, I still... <laughs> I still don't have like a, a concrete like go to 100% fail proof process. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have learned through watching his videos. There were a couple of articles. Um, one thing I struggle with is like getting vocals to come through clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked on Angel, I came through or I came across a few videos and articles where. I think for vocals, I end up having like three different compressors. Ah. So I have like an overall compressor just to kind of dry up the recording a little bit and kind of make it a little more, bring a little more stability to Mm -hmm. that track. And then on my send, I have two more uh, compressors. Okay. So one boosts the overall sound Mm -hmm. and the other one is... I think on my side chain, I have I have two things, but one of them is like an equalizer. Equalizer cuts out everything except the hi-hat, and then I adjust that to bring out the clarity that I need so the vocals are not muddy. I told you we were going to be <laughs> nerds for a minute. Uh, real quick, plug in that you cannot live without. Because you use a lot of, uh, you use a lot of uh, DAW-based stuff. Yes. Like, um, use a lot of what's it called um i use studio one for my daw okay um don't make me choose <laughs> any okay what can i do you use waves stuff live a, yes okay waves is is cool um, waves is cool i'm gonna have to say anything isotope i can make it work if i'm like creating music mm. but like right. i'm I'm a perfectionist. I like things to sound as best as I can make them sound. And right. one thing that's important to me is color, but also clarity. Clarity. Um, yeah. I also don't like, and I know there's like this whole like loudness wars BS, and I absolutely hate it. But yeah. at the same time, I like to participate, and I want people. <laughs> yeah, you I wanted, wanted to, to measure. I wanted but... to measure as close yeah. as possibly because I know that that throws anybody who doesn't know like all of these like other stuff about music and is just listening to it like they're gonna be really turned off if they listen to beyonce and beyonce is playing like super loud and then they get to london back and like you can barely hear my song and they're gonna be like it's not the same it's it's right this is why they give academy awards for stuff like set design and cinematography and wardrobe during the telecast because you don't really you might not even realize it until they show the nominees. You'd be like, wow, that movie was really cool. That was a nice set design. 
And so the engineering part of it, the art of it, and the discipline of it is something that I'm really interested in. So thank you for kind of nerding out with me about that. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the songs. Um, what is your favorite song other than uh, True North? Um, Obviously. You can't. I know I'm like I'm, I'm not gonna like, force you to this I, is like asking me to like choose like my favorite child yeah right <laughs> they're Bla- your babies black satin is your is the philosophical center black satin of is the project. definitely the center I will say that I like them for different reasons yes black satin um when you all hear it that's gonna be very self-explanatory right um, that's kind of like I wanted this project to be like re- the reintroduction of London Beck. So mm-hmm. like black satin is like very like out there, but it not in a way at all that people would expect. But you can also tell that my DNA is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't sound like I'm like reaching for anything. Right. It's like right where I need to be, but like a place at the same time. Like it sounds like a place where I've already been, but like a place where like people are also not expecting. Right. And then you've got like territory, which I know is That's my favorite. <laughs> territory is my favorite record. Your favorite. Um, just because and when I when I created that song, I really wanted that one along with a few others. Mm-hmm. I think like like Paces is another one. I yep. wanted a couple that that said something. But we're also, in some senses, kind of like that quintessential, like, slow burn. Mm. I think is a good way to, like, describe that. And I think that with Territory, it worked really well that I was able to create this, like, slow burn. But, like, the lyrical content, like, is not a slow burn. And it's just kind of like, I'm in the ring, like, Mike Tyson, (laughs) like, fighting, like, throwing jabs, like, left and right. right. And then you've got, of course, you've got, like... True North, which is very, that one's like incredibly special to me because it it's a representation of what I've gone through and like where I intend to Absolutely. head. It feels like a landing point. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it feels like you go on this journey and then it, it's, it reminds me of musical theater a lot in a way, like the final like maybe not the final song but the song before the final song where this person's gone through this journey and it's this journey of acceptance and yes and and just feeling where you are and and that's what i what i love about true north i completely agree um Mm -hmm. when so and early wine who is a dear friend and the Mm -hmm. the featured musician on that track Mm -hmm. we um I'd been wanting to work with her for quite a while and we ended up making it happen with this project. Mm -hmm. And the very last, we had had quite a few sessions um, beforehand, but the very last one, I think we like finished the track in like five hours. And like I recorded her vocals in 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is probably like the quickest I've ever recorded, like any sort of vocals. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was really nice because... She's a dear friend. She knows a little bit about my backstory, but she, we co-wrote kind of like the second verse of the song. Mm-hmm. And through writing, she was able to ask me like different questions 
to get me to like open up and be vulnerable and really talk about like what I was envisioning. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned that it kind of feels like the song before the very last in a musical, because every time I listen to that song, I think about this is my like vision. I have this vision. I don't know why. Probably because I feel at peace when I'm like in nature, but I have this vision of like me being like, on a road and I've got like a whole bunch of like bags, like bungee corded up to like this like beater car. I don't know why it's gotta be a beater. Though. <laughs> but <laughs> what, what, is a, what is a beater car? Um, a Chevy Corsica. A Chevy Corsica. A Chevy Corsica. Okay. So like a hoopty? I... <laughs> is that what it is? A hoopty? Yes. Okay. A <laughs> This vision of like all these bags, like bungee corded to the top of, of okay. a car. And I'm just kind of like looking back at the road that's behind me and acknowledging all that has happened along that road. But then I'm facing forward and getting in the car to move forward and enter, you know, like the unknown, basically. Right. Um, this pro this project is we've talked about especially like personally like has been I know the key word that we've been coming back to for all of us has been like transformation Mm -hmm. and for me it's definitely been a rebirth so I'm really about to enter this period and not only as an individual but also as an artist Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of like newness and there's a lot of unknown ahead of me and I understand that not all of it's going to be pretty But nonetheless, I'm heading in that direction regardless, because I know that that's where I need to be. And it's and heading in to the unknown is going to only help me move closer to where I really want to be in the end game. Absolutely. And and I I just want to point out a couple of other things, because we definitely want people to stream the album, listen to the album, make their own interpretations, ask questions, involve engage with you on social media about songs. Um, I remember the first time we heard Uninvited. Oh, my God. And uh, that was emotional. That was an emotional... We were... So, to let everybody know, um, somewhere along the way, we asked for everybody to play a song. Um, Largely, we were not a part of the recording process. Um, Very thankfully, in my book... um, we had, a, a for everybody who was involved in the fellowship, there was so much trust in the individual visions that had been pro- pro- provided to us that, and the people who were working on the projects, that um, everything was perfectly fine. We kind of wanted to, I know for me, I kind of wanted to hear it a little bit later down the line as they continued to craft their vision. And they played a song apiece and you play Uninvited. Why did you choose Uninvited to play for us? Was that just the song that you were feeling on that day? Or? I I think that it does a really good job at, it's probably one of the most vulnerable pieces on the project. Um, And I know, like I said, um, Somewhere or no, I, I kind of feel like 
with this uh, this whole experience part of it was i wanted to also grow as like an individual and like usually like i'm the one that's like keeping it together and like yeah. h- like telling other people like you can yeah. keep it together and like on the other end i'm not keeping it together <laughs> and i wanted to kind of use that to push myself in a direction to like be more open mm-hmm. with like what I'm feeling again, like whether I'm like upset that day, you know, like it's really easy for people to ask how you're doing. And like, you being, you know, like you say, like, I'm fine when you're really not. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to force myself to kind of be in that space. And this also is part of the explanation of like the writing behind that song as well. Like I really just wanted to, That's why we're here. Yes. <laughs> I really just wanted to kind of like venture into the darkness, so to speak. And I thought it was really right. fitting. I thought it was a really fitting song. I thought about it. I was going to play Territory okay. at that point. Okay. But I thought that Uninvited Shadows was the most fitting because I thought it gave the most accurate glimpse into at least a portion, a significant portion of the overall story. I know that when we had right. our listening um, session, like we kind of talked about the first half is me kind of like diving headfirst into the dark. And then the second half is more kind of like a second act where I'm like trying to like yeah. claw my way out where I eventually find the light with True North. Right. Good records definitely tell a story. You said on that song that, you know, can't take my soul if no one answers the door. Um, being confined to the shore with no paddle, no oar. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning, that there is a, on this, you know, when, when we see London, we see a lot of vibrant, you know, vibrant energy and things of that nature. But there is a very dark side. Um, and it comes across sometimes in your picture. I mean, look at you know, there's a there's a mystery that's there that is very real. Um, sure. I, I think about uh, Muse, Muse over what is it? Muse over Muse over Muse yeah. over yeah. Um, and how crazily I wigged out when you played that because that's <laughs> that's definitely like Bjork Radiohead type vibes and the vo- there's a there's a voice. And it and you sent me and texted me what the voice says. I don't I don't have my phone. But what does the voice say? Oh my goodness. We were talking about and this I today com- too. I've completely forgotten. Completely. Oh. It's like there so there are two. So right. there's like one where it's like it's like I love you or like my sunshine. And then the other one is like can't. It's like you could never take away my love, or like both of them somewhere along those lines. Okay. Um and once I like, and when you asked me, like I had completely, <laughs> like, and I went back that night and I like, I undid uh, the reverse right. of the samples. And as soon as I listened to it, I like, then I like remembered exactly why I had put them there and, and reversed them. I know you and I talked a little bit mm-hmm. about kind of like, there's this because that's the turning point of the album right and we talked a little bit about kind of like there's this voice that's kind of like 
out in the ether somewhere and mm-hmm. it's like it's trying to like call out to me but I'm like having trouble interpreting it yes um, and that was why I ended up making that kind of like decision to do the reverse um, the song ended up so when I wrote the song it was about kind of processing the death of my mother and and how Going through that experience at that age gave me so much, but it also left me with an emptiness, more specifically kind of like, there are times when I think about that 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 incident mm-hmm. and I feel like there's a detachment because of the fact that, and maybe it's because of the fact that it's at this point, especially it's just happened long ago. Like that's almost, 20 years at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, like this incident happened to be my mother. And so it's like, there's this part of me reconciling, like, is it okay to like have this feeling, especially when it's about, you know, like a parent. A feeling where, of like, detachment. Yeah. Mm. Especially when it's about a parent, you know, like who I love very much. And, and even though, they were only there for like those very short like five years like mm-hmm. they still played a huge part into where i am today and so it's like a song reconciling that and then of course i'm going through some kind of like current things i kind of helped take care of my grandmother who mm-hmm. was a part of that force that like raised me and like mm-hmm. is also a huge part of why i'm here mm-hmm. today right um and she's kind of going through some like health issues so in through writing about like one tragedy it kind of like helped me process and like really think about and ended up overall being about something completely different that i'm going through in my life so it's cathartic in a way yeah wow so you've said you and the other fellows have said a standard for I think artistic merit as well as content that is grounded in self-discovery and identity um what do you want people to take away from this project I want people to that overall idea of like this is a reintroduction of London Beck. So moving forward, I want people to, I think because of the fact that I have a hand and like a lot of things like behind the scenes, a lot of the other things that I can do kind of like get hidden. Mm -hmm. So in this project, like people will get to hear me play a little bit of guitar. Mm -hmm. People will get to hear um, like an arrangement that I completely composed absolutely people will get to hear more than just me on on songs and get to hear not just in features but also like in the production aspect as well um so i really want people to kind of get a more appropriate idea of who i am i want people to get a clearer idea of the only thing that exists is London Beck music. Mm-hmm. I'm not the I'm not a type of artist where I'm like strictly like R and B or like strictly pop. It's its own like genre, kind of. It's essentially it's like its own genre, 
And I want people to just kind of like understand that part of London Beck and like what I have to offer and bring to the table is that I kind of wanted this to be like a like a fun house in a sense. Like mm. in, a, in a fun house, you've got like different areas. Yeah, you got the Hall of Mirrors and you yeah. got the, <laughs> the bearded lady and you got this and you got, you know. So absolutely. I, so I really wanted it to kind of be like this revolving, I guess, like space of of different parts of me. I also want people to understand that. And this is something that I'm kind of, I guess, with the release of this project, holding myself to as well, that there is also a softer side of me. There's a more pensive and introspective side mm-hmm. of London Beck. There's a certain reason why I do certain things, but above all, I just want to share my music and I'm in my greatest hope um, that brings me much happiness is that other people will hear that music and not only enjoy it, but that it hopefully kind of gives them that little something that they need mm-hmm. in order to kind of start pursuing the things that they need to, to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it will. I think it will. And I look forward to the responses that you'll get from the project, but more so the opportunities that it's going to give you, Um, not only just in music, but in terms of assisting people towards being strong in who they are. Um, I think that you definitely do that. And I, I think that that is your part of your lasting effect on people. So um, congratulations. Thank you. An album is never done. It is only <laughs> released. Congratulations on, you know, not holding on to it with the grip of a, of a titan and um, putting this out for the rest of the world to hear. I'm very proud of you. Um, not only about the music, but because you've been involved in what we've been doing and... I believe that there wouldn't be a fellowship without you and the other two. Um, And I just can't say enough about, you know, this project is about music, but it's about people, you know, just like the the podcast essentially. So congratulations. Thank you. Everybody, where, where is everybody going to be able to, to get this project? Um, Definitely all major platforms. So if you've got Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Amazon Music, all of the above, you've got that there. But if you want to kind of put a little extra, you know, coin in a deity's pocket (laughs) so that I can continue. Wait a minute. Deities don't have pockets. (laughs) How can you be a deity with pockets? What's that about? You know what? This deity has a velvet bag that is uh, always okay. open a if velvet, you want to put something in it. A velvet bag, okay. Okay. <laughs> if you want to, you know, put a little coin in my velvet bag okay. <laughs> so that I can continue pumping out music and even more content for the good people, you, there you can go. purchase it on Bandcamp. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they can go to your website, and they can LondonBeck.com. Get- LondonBeck.com. You get the full... Completely renovated, brand new London Beck experience. Access to all that. New website, new album, new what? New knee-high boots, knee, <laughs> new everything. So um, we want to thank you for coming today. Maya, anything to share? Anything else to share? Uh, you can also purchase a recording of London's Kickback series yes. at amplify-fellowship.com. 
Absolutely. And look out for the albums from the other fellows, Kenyatta Rashawn and Danny Darling as well. Um, as we go to as we go to print, they will be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Look out for the next episode of Zero Noise Podcast, which will also be with um, another one of the Amplify fellows. Um, make sure that you like, share, and subscribe. I hate asking people to like and stuff. I hate it, but that's the metric by which we work, you know. So like, share, and subscribe, no matter where you are. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors one last time: Grove Studios, Leon Speakers, uh, Detroit Originals. Uh, also edigging.com as well as phonics.com where you can go now and pick up God's favorite drums part two I got to get you those too um, and make certain that you support London um, and the, the Black Satin Sessions all produced and I want to make this very clear to people every song that you heard was also produced by London Beck and every song is different that's amazing to me I just want to make sure that that's crystal clear. Um, until next time, this is Rob Wallace. And as always, support the artists and artisans around you. We definitely want to thank you, too, for coming. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, thanks for having me. Support the artists and the artisans around you, because when the music stops, everything else does, too. Peace. <laughs>